Welcome to Bridgewater, Vestal. My name is Brett, and uh, I'm one of the pastors at Bridgewater. It's great to have you here today. We are starting a brand new series of messages called Relationship Goals. And uh, it's going to be fun for some people. <laughs> it's going to be brutal for others. <laughs> but we are all in relationships, one way or another. Either siblings or husbands and wives, spouses or friends or at work or in the neighborhood or family, whatever. We are all in relationship. And we're all in different stages of relationship. I was, I was trying to name them and I, so I said, okay, so there's, let's see, there's, there's married people, there's single people, there's dating people, there's parenting people, and there's even confused people people, because that is a category. I don't know whether I'm in a relationship or not, but God has a lot to say in the Bible about relationships, and so what we're going to do is we're going to open the Bible, and we're going to see what God says about a bunch of relationships, and I want to remind everybody that it isn't important what I say. It's really important what God says, and so when in doubt, Check the Bible, because the Bible's not wrong. Today, we're going to look at what the Bible says about being single. Uh, Nicole, my wife and I, we, were, we took a vacation to Honesdale, Pennsylvania. She's from Honesdale. Uh, we were living in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the time, and we had just had our first child, our daughter, Avonlea. This is 25 years ago or so, and she was a cute little baby, the cutest baby I'd ever had, and, and I loved her very much and enjoyed spending time with her, and so we were here, and I left, went back to Grand Rapids to work, and she stayed a little longer. Uh, she was flying back home uh, out of Avoca, and she was on a plane with Avonlea. They got to Grand Rapids. I was in the airport. I was oh, looking so forward to seeing her, and her plane was delayed, and I waited, and I waited, and then we heard, the plane is here, but it is in a holding pattern, and it is circling the airport <clears throat> because there's fog. And then we heard, the plane is still circling, don't worry, they have a lot of fuel. <clears throat> there will be an opening, they will land, and of course... What I want is right there. What Nicole wants is right there. Avonlea didn't have any idea what she wanted, so at that point, <laughs> her vote didn't matter, but we were so close, and we couldn't do anything about it because the plane was in a holding pattern. Ultimately, the plane flew back to Pittsburgh <laughs> And they put her up in a hotel because they could not land. But I, I think about this singleness, and I talk to people sometimes who are single or single again, and as we talk about their future, sometimes they feel like they're in a holding pattern. And they shouldn't feel that way. Because the Bible doesn't call it that at all. 
Um, in fact, Paul talks about being single. So if you have your Bibles, please turn in them to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul, he's writing a letter to the church in Corinth, and he talks specifically about singleness. And, and let me tell you, he does not compare it to a holding pattern at all. So 1 Corinthians chapter 7, beginning with verse uh, 25, that's where we're going to be. I, I just want you to know that, that we need to talk about singleness because in America, for the very first time since statistics have been taken, there are more adults who are single than there are who are married. 50.2%, 142.6 million Americans are single. Either, either single for the first time or single again, but America is full of singles. In fact, all of us were single, and most of us will be single again. My dad, 81 years old, just became single again. In fact, 50% of women over 65 are single in America. So, so singleness is something that we need to talk about, and Paul obviously knew that because, and God obviously knew that because he put it in the Bible. So, so let's, let's go. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, what does, what does the Bible say about singleness? Uh, verse 25, uh, Paul's writing, he says, now, now about virgins, and this would be uh, women is, is kind of how he uses that term. Now about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. As, uh, are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in life, and I want to spare you this. All right, so let's unpack this. Verse 25, let's look back at that. Paul, Paul says um, that he doesn't have a strong command here. What he's giving is some advice. And he's saying this is not a sin issue. Okay, this, this whole single married thing is not a sin issue. This is, this is just some advice that Paul wants to give. Apparently he's been asked, what, what do I do with this? And so he says... You're not, a, you're not a sinner if you marry. You're not a sinner if you don't. But here's some thoughts. So that's, that's kind of how he, how he starts this. I want you to consider these, this advice, whether you're single or you're married. And then verse 26, he talks about a present crisis. Now, we don't really know what the present crisis was that Paul was talking about. Some think that it had to do with a famine that was gripping that region of the world at the time. Others believe that he was talking about a, the strong persecution that, that they were going through at the time. I, I don't know what the crisis was, but, but because of the crisis, he's saying, I think it'd be wiser for you not to get married. Remain as he is, is what he says. Um, remain in your current state. He, he says here, you know, if you're engaged, don't break off the engagement necessarily, but whether you're single, married, divorced, widows, single again... Make the most of your current state, you know, is what he's saying. Um, Paul goes on then in verse 28 
to, uh, to say those, those who marry will, will face many troubles. Now, I, I don't think he was negative against marriage as much as he was saying there's a reality in marriage. Um, marriage does not solve all of your problems. Those of you who have been married or are married can snicker now. It, it does not solve all of our problems. When you put one imperfect person together with another imperfect person, you do not get negative, negative equals positive. Like you, you, you get more possibilities for sidewaysness, for, for sideways energy. Um, and anybody who is married would be able to testify about that. But, but please don't. Um, but there, there is not, I, I think sometimes in, in singleness, there is a thought that, that everything will be perfect. There's a utopia. If only I had, nobody has said this, if only I had Brett and Nicole's utopia. Ah, oh, that would be wonderful. That would be glorious. That would be glamorous. No problems at all. Everything's peaches and cream. And you say, no, there, there will be trouble. Um, and, and Paul is just recognizing that. He's not saying it's terrible, but he's saying just realize that when you're married, you face many troubles in life. And I think that's fine. Um, I think what Paul is saying is singleness is at least as good as marriage. Singleness is, a, is a, at least as good as marriage. I think that's what Paul was saying. It, it's not a holding pattern for you to get something better. So 50.2% so of Americans, Paul would be saying, oh no, you're you're not failing. You're not circling the airport hoping to land. Oh, no, no. No, it's not a holding pattern. Singleness is as good as marriage. I, I wrote down this. Marriage is not the goal, and those who are single are not in a holding pattern. Married people need to understand this and stop pressuring singles to get married whether it's our friends or our children or our grandchildren or, or whomever it is, that there seems to be a pressure in this world for people to hurry along and get it done. Go, get. when are you going to get married? When are you going to have grandkids? When are you going <clears> to... <throat> and I think we have to be careful because biblically, Paul is saying, oh, no, no, this is not a holding pattern. This is... No, singleness is, is at least as good as marriage. Just a different perspective. Now, <clears throat> I think we need to look at what biblical singleness is to understand what Paul's really saying. So here's the definition of, of biblical singleness. To be single is to be unmarried and sexually celibate. That means not involved in a, in a, real, in a romantic, physical relationship. The, the world has two words to describe this, unhappy and impossible. <laughs> unhappy and impossible, but, but those are both lies. And I, I want to show you why those are both lies. First of all, singleness does not equal unhappiness. Um, there, there is not anything in the Bible that says, in order to be happy, we have to be married. In fact, I know plenty of people who are married that think singleness would make them happy. And I don't think the Bible says 
jump out of that marriage in order to be happy either, um, but be happy in your current state. <clears throat> this is what, what Paul wrote. Look at verse 39 and 40 of, of chapter 7. It says, A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. That, that means that he needs to be a follower of Jesus. Um, verse 40, in my judgment, the woman is happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. Now, Paul, you have to understand, Paul is speaking from experience. Paul is single at this time. Um, historians believe he was married and his wife had passed away. And then Paul was single from, from this point until his death. And so he was speaking as somebody with authority, having lived, having been married, and now being unmarried. He says, I, I'm happy. I'm in a good place. I'm single. That's what Paul's saying. I, I'm taking my personal experience and I'm rolling it over to you guys. Here's some advice. Singleness, amazing. Marriage, amazing. Fine, neither one is a holding pattern for the other. Because singleness does not equal unhappiness. The, the second, the two words were, were unhappiness and impossible. And so the first one, it, it doesn't mean unhappiness. Secondly, living a, a sexually pure life is not impossible. You know how I know that? I know that because God never gives us anything impossible and tells us to do it. That's not in God's character. Does he give us some things he asks us to do that we have to depend on him? Sure. No question. But does he task us with anything impossible? No. <clears throat> in, in fact, even in America, um, people are choosing to be celibate more and more. In fact, since 2008, uh, women ages 18 to 29, the, the number of them who are choosing to not have sexual relationships before marriage has doubled. And actually, in the same period of time, between ages 18 to 29, males who are choosing to be celibate has tripled. I don't know if you realize that, but, but there is a growing understanding that that does not help the future marriage. And so it, it is not impossible, and it does not mean we have to be unhappy. Being single is, is, can be a great thing. Um, I, I, think, I think what we have to realize is Paul, Paul realizes something that I think we forget. Uh, I think we focus too often on the relationship status and not enough on the spiritual status. And that's, that's the first point this morning. Um, your spiritual status is more important than your relational status. In God's eyes, <clears throat> our spiritual status is much more crucial than our, than our relationship status. Being single, being married is, is much less important than living the way God wants us to live. Paul addresses that, uh, verse 29. Here's what he says. What, <clears throat> what I mean, brothers and sisters, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as, as if they do not. The, those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if 
that were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world, the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. Paul takes three things that we would view as very, very, very crucial, marriage, happiness, and possessions, and, and he says there's, there's nothing wrong with any of these. N- nothing. They're not sin. They're not bad. They're, they're good things. But they're all in the process of passing away. They're all temporary. Your marriage, my marriage, temporary. Um, the world is going to end. His, his last verse there that says that for this world in its present form is passing away. And I think Paul's just reminding us that, that we shouldn't be chasing things that are going to be passing away. We need to focus on things that are going to last forever. What lasts forever? My relationship status or my relationship with Jesus? It's an easy one. Our spiritual status ought to be most important. And I I think sometimes we forget that, or at least we act like that's not true. Spiritual status and living a life that pleases God is much more important than my relationship status. And, and here's the reason why, and, and the, the second point talks about that, that, because we're travelers and not settlers. Life is short. We should live like a traveler not like a settler. Here's, here's what I mean. I tend, I tend to live a lot, a lot of time like, like this is heaven. And all there is is the here and now. And so I gather possessions and I, I gather things that I think are valuable and I, I hold on to them like this is all there is. And the reality is, this isn't, this isn't all there is. If we believe what the Bible says, then this, this world isn't our home. We're just passing through, right? What do they say? Nobody, you don't see very many hearses with U-Hauls hitched behind them? <laughs> Can't take it with you. I, I, I'm not going to take it with me. I need to live like a traveler. Not a settler. Whether I'm single, whether I'm married, whether, whether I'm divorced, whether I'm widowed, whether I'm confused, I, it doesn't matter. I need to live as a traveler, not as a settler. Here's, here's what Paul says in verse 32. He says, I, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. I think Paul's reminding us that, that we're all travelers. This world isn't our home. And, and he understands that those who are married, I, I'm, I'm married. I need to be concerned about my wife. Not a bad thing, I think that's, but I think it's biblical. So I take my time and I split it in half because I'm married. Okay, now I've got children. So I need to take my time. I need to split it in half again. All right, now I've got seven children. 
You do the math. I have a lot of concerns about a lot of things that can take my focus off of eternity. Now, I don't think Paul is saying that, that wives are bad or that children are bad. I think he's just recognizing that, that those who are single have amazing opportunities to chase after things of God and things that matter for eternity that those of us who are married or have children, we don't have those same opportunities because we have a lot of concerns about the things that we have in our, about the people we have in our lives. Neither one is bad. I don't think Paul is saying that. I, I think he's just saying recognize that <laughs> spiritual status is much more important. What I do for Jesus is much more important than my relational status and I think he's just reminding me that I tend to be more concerned about the here and now and, and that concern consumes me more than it should because there's an eternity out there that I need to be concerned about. So Paul's saying, as a single guy, oh man, I'm not in a holding pattern. I'm running after Jesus. I'm running after eternity. I've got nothing holding me back. I'm going for Jesus. And I think he's saying, those of us who are married, go for Jesus too, recognizing you have to be concerned about your spouse and you need to be concerned about your children. But chase after Jesus. I think this is a hard one. I, I think it's... I think it's difficult to be content in this passage. And yet, I think there's, I think Paul's writing from a great part of contentment, saying, I've been both. I have experience. I'm not saying either is sin, but I'm saying here's some advice. So, what do we do with it? I wrestled with this. What do I do with this passage? Like, and and here, here's what I thought. What if, what if we all lived our lives like we knew July 1st, a fire was going to consume everything you own, everything I own? How would we act different in our lives? If I knew that all of my earthly possessions were going to be up in flames July 1st, how much would I invest in those things? Would I put a new set of tires on the four-wheeler? <laughs> Probably not. If I had a boat, would I be polishing the boat? I doubt it. <laughs> you, you think about the things that, am I going to put in a new kitchen? Probably going to delay that. Doesn't mean a new kitchen's bad. But I, I make, and I don't know about you, but I make a thousand decisions, all, just, just all these decisions all the time, and I'm not sure I always have eternity in view. Because I, I that's not true, I, I act like this is the destination. And I think if we're not living with that tension, we're probably out of balance. 
I think if we're not living with the tension of how, much, how many possessions should I have and how much should I give away, I think, I think we need to live with that tension. At what point does retirement equal hoarding? And at what point is retirement wise stewardship and planning for the future? Like that balance. When is it irresponsible to give everything away? And when is it generous to give more away? I think we need to live with that balance. And I think it's a tension to manage. It's not a problem to solve. What Paul is saying is, if, if you're single, don't feel like you're the airplane circling the airport in a holding pattern, dumping fuel, hoping to land through the fog. No. No. It, we're all travelers. And, and as a single person, you have incredible opportunities to chase after the things of God that a lot of married people don't have. <clears throat> My daughter can pick up and go to Sicily and visit missionaries and, and do things that I can't do. She can be with her single friends all the time doing things that I think are crazy. Playing volleyball with a group of people in Canton. I don't even know where Canton is. It's not Canton, Ohio. I asked. She said it's in the state. <laughs> Until the wee hours of the night and I say, eh, good for you. I'm glad you had fun with your friends. And she said, oh, it was great. What a wonderful time we had. We invited some people and they came with us. And yeah. Awesome. So be encouraged, I guess. I have three, three questions that I, that I wrote down for us to ask ourselves. Um, number one, is, is, your relation, if, is your relational status more important than your spiritual status? The question really is, are, am, am I or are you in a relationship that has become more important than your walk with Jesus? <clears throat> when, when I begin making decisions based on a relationship, whatever relationship, over godly decisions about my relationship with Jesus, I know it's become too important. I think that's a question we all need to ask. Secondly, are we living a holy life that is set apart to God? Are we living a holy life? Are we pursuing our relationship with Jesus? Eliminating those habits that are sinful in our lives. Regardless of our state, I would say, as a married person, if, if you and I ever are the ones who are saying, when are you going to get married? When are you going to get married? Haven't found the right one? You know, why don't you put yourself out there? Um, how about this dating app? Hey, I think I could hook you up with my uncle's cousin's sister's roommate. You know, stop. We should not do that. Because Paul says singleness is at least as good as marriage. Not our job. I have two grown children. They are both single. I should never be the one saying, so when are you going to get married? You're going to get some grandkids. No. I kind of want to. 
I really want to. But I can't. It may very well be that, that my daughter and son are chasing God and pursuing God, and they are exactly where God wants them to be. They are not in a holding pattern looking for the next step in their life. They are right there. And I need to recognize that. And I need to be sensitive to that. And quite honestly, I don't want to have to go over and threaten some guy with a gun who's trying to date my daughter. So it's probably good. <clears throat> Third question. Are you and I living our lives like this world is temporary? Or are we living like the world we're living in is, is all that there is? This is the hardest one for me. Because I think if, if somebody came into my life that has no idea who I was and looked at how I live, I think they might draw the conclusion that, that this was my destination and I have settled here. And I'm hunkering down in my bunker because we're here for the long run. And I'm not sure that they would be totally convinced that this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Don't get me started. I can do the whole song. Um, I'm a pastor's kid. It's, it's stuck in me. But, but, but think about that question. Are, are we living our lives like this world is temporary? Or are we living like this world is all there is? <clears throat> I think we need to just evaluate, just evaluate, constant evaluate. Attention to manage, not a problem to solve. I think uh, this relationship goal series is going to be really good. We're going to go from here to dating, and then from dating to marriage, from marriage to parenting, from parenting to work. Oh, man. It's going to be brutal for some of us. But God talks a lot in the Bible about relationships. And I think this needs to be the source of where we go for information and guidance. So, this world's not our home. We're passing through. Let's live that way. Travelers, not settlers. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the reminder that, uh, that you love us in spite of our relational status and, and you want us to be pursuing you and not pursuing the next relationship. Help us to live in a way that pleases you, to live like we are travelers and not settlers. God, that's a hard one. I, I struggle with that. Please help me to live that way. Help the decisions I make to reflect that I believe that there's something greater than this world. Thank you for making us as individuals different and yet created in your image. Thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for everybody here, those who are single, those who are married. I, I'm so glad you've made us in a variety. Uh, we love you very much. Help us to live in a way that pleases you. Uh, God, I, I thank you also for the... Uh, the uh, salvation of the lady in, in Halstead this week. 
Thank you for working in lives and changing hearts. Thank you for our freedom as a nation and for those who gave the ultimate sacrifice so that we could live in freedom. We could carry a Bible to church this morning and not fear for our lives in worshiping you. We love you very much. Help our attitudes, actions, words reflect that today. In Jesus' name, amen.